This is the World in Brief from the Economist. Our top stories. China reeled from a weekend of angry demonstrations with tens of thousands of people protesting against the country's draconian anti-COVID measures. The rallies, unprecedented in their scale, took place in at least 10 major cities, including Beijing and Shanghai, with some demonstrators holding aloft bank sheets of paper to decry the suppression of free speech. A relative calm seemed to emerge on Monday. Meanwhile, the number of new COVID-19 infections reported hit a record 40,000. Ukraine's president Volodymyr Zelensky warned Ukrainians to expect more Russian strikes as snow and freezing temperatures descended on Kyiv, the capital. Millions of people have only limited access to electricity, water, and heat after Russian missiles pulverized much of Ukraine's energy infrastructure. Vitaly Klitschko, Kyiv's mayor, said that the blackouts could last until spring, with temporary evacuations possible. Talks between America and Russia on the New START treaty meant to regulate their arsenals of strategic missiles were postponed the day before they were due to start. America blamed Russia, accusing it of quote unilaterally calling off the summit scheduled to take place in Cairo, Egypt's capital. The decision comes amid months of nuclear threats from President Vladimir Putin in response to Western support for Ukraine. BlockFi, a crypto lender backed by Peter Thiel, an American billionaire, filed for bankruptcy. The firm, valued at four billion dollars at one point last year, failed to recover from the collapse of FTX, the crypto trading platform that also went bankrupt earlier this month. Meanwhile, the attorney general of the Bahamas said that FTX remains the subject of quote an active and ongoing investigation. Rio Tinto agreed to pay restitution for its destruction of ancient Aboriginal rock structures in Western Australia while building an iron ore mine in 2020. Two members of the mining company's board resigned amid the scandal. The financial settlement was not disclosed at the request of the Putukunti, Kerama, and Pinikora peoples, traditional owners of the Jukan Gorge site. More than 80 people were injured during protests against a construction hailed as India's first international deepwater port, in which fishermen clashed with police officers. The Adani Group, which has been building the seaport since 2015, is the ultimate target of their ire. The fight has taken a sectarian hue, with Hindu groups rallying to Adani's cause and Christian clergy charged as conspirators. Football World Cup, another remarkable game involving an African team, saw Cameroon fight back from two goals down to draw 3-3 with Serbia. The result follows Morocco's shock win against Belgium, FIFA's second highest-ranked team, only their third ever victory in a World Cup. After the match, Belgian police fired tear gas and arrested at least ten people amid riots in Brussels, the capital. And fact of the day: seven million—the number of people that have left Venezuela in the last decade, a quarter of the population. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. What's behind the selection of Pakistan's new army chief? Pakistan's army has long been regarded as wielding more political influence than the country's hapless politicians. But the appointment of Syed Asim Munir, who takes over from Khamar Javed Bajwa as chief of the army on Tuesday, looks at least partly driven by party politics. 
General Munir's tenure as head of Pakistan's spy agency was cut short in 2019 after he fell out with Imran Khan, then the prime minister. Mr. Khan was himself ousted by parliament in April and has since set about trying to undermine the government of Shabazz Sharif, his successor. Mr. Sharif seems to have appointed Mr. Munir partly because he sees him as a counterweight to Mr. Khan. Yet the army's reputation among voters has been damaged by Mr. Khan's unproven allegation that military leaders conspired with America to remove him from power. Many soldiers in the army's lower ranks are quiet supporters of the former prime minister. The new chief will have to work hard to regain the confidence of ordinary soldiers and other Pakistanis. Emmanuel Macron goes to Washington. The French president will arrive in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday evening for his second state visit to America. He was hosted by Donald Trump in 2018 and the first full state visit that President Joe Biden has hosted. Expect much celebration of America and France's long friendship. Both countries like to say they are each other's oldest ally. Emmanuel Macron will be treated to the works, including a state banquet at the White House. The war in Ukraine and geopolitical shifts mean that there will be tensions to manage, too. The French and American positions on Russia have converged. Both countries firmly support Ukraine while also seeking to avoid escalation and ultimately favoring a diplomatic solution to the conflict. The thorniest immediate issue will be America's massive subsidies for clean energy and semiconductors. Europe, France included, considers these a breach of international trade rules and fears for its own industries battered by soaring energy prices. New problems will test even the oldest of allies. Why the World Faces More Water Stress On Tuesday, the World Meteorological Organization publishes for the first time an evaluation of global water resources. The findings will be bleak. At COP27, held in Egypt earlier this month, governments noted the, quote, critical need for, quote, protecting, conserving, and restoring water systems. There is a growing understanding of the relationship between water scarcity and higher global temperatures, and of the need to manage water supplies in order to adapt to climate change. Global warming worsens natural disasters that affect the availability of water. Droughts are longer and more frequent. Storms and rising sea levels contaminate water used for drinking and washing. Climate change is also depleting stocks of fresh water held in glaciers, snow, and permafrost. According to the UN, by 2050, 1.6 billion people will be at risk of floods, up from 1.2 billion currently, while 3.2 billion may live in water-scarce areas up from 1.9 billion in 2010. And water, or its lack, influences economies too. In Britain and Europe, droughts currently cause around $9 billion in losses each year. America's Army Recruitment Woes For the fiscal year ending September 2022, America's Army fell 15,000 short of its goal of 60,000 new recruits. On Tuesday, grandees, including Major General Johnny Davis, who oversees recruitment, will discuss the problem at the Heritage Foundation, a think tank in Washington. What explains the shortfall? A red-hot job market has increased competition for workers, and the pandemic saw higher obesity rates and worse academic performance, shrinking the pool of eligible recruits. Fewer want to sign up anyway. 
The Army says that just 9% of eligible candidates are actually interested in joining, the lowest level for 15 years. America's chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan is partly to blame. So is political polarization. Many on the left see America's army as stuffy and outdated. Those on the right accuse it of being too woke. The army is now stepping up outreach in schools and universities and offering bigger signing bonuses. If that fails to do the trick, some reservists might be put on active duty. America and Iran meet on the football field. America and Iran have had no diplomatic relations since 1980. Representatives of the two countries almost never come face-to-face -face in any arena. But on Tuesday, their football teams will face off at the World Cup in Qatar. To stay in the tournament, America must win. Iran needs at least a draw. At their previous and only World Cup fixture in 1998, Iran took the honors 2-1. The match follows months of anti-government demonstrations in Iran, which America has supported. Before their first game in Qatar, the Iranian squad appeared to stage a protest by standing silent during their national anthem. At the second, the players did sing, but many Iranians think they were coerced. And last weekend, America's Football Federation posted a version of Iran's flag on social media, minus the logo of the Islamic Republic. It was later deleted. Neither side is likely to acknowledge it publicly, but the resonance of Tuesday's game will extend far beyond the stadium in Doha. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 hours GMT on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Tuesday. Which 1948 Hitchcock movie appears to take place in real time? Monday. Which TV streaming service is named after the NBC logo? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Louisa May Alcott, who was born on this day in 1832. Love is a great beautifier. That's the World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening. <laughs>